Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. so crazy about it's just music Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders made her debut during the post-punk years of the 70s and then she re-emerged during the alternative era of the 90s now a decade later she shows no signs of letting up I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune and I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocalo.org Stay tuned for Chrissy Hines' latest project and our reviews of the chart-topping new albums by Drake and Christina Aguilera today on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And time now for some music news. Big news out of Washington this week is that the federal government has finally taken a major stand on how intellectual property rights are being affected by illegal downloading on the Internet, Jim. In the past, we've heard bits and pieces of statements from various administration officials, various congressmen, various FCC members about intellectual property on the Internet. But now President Barack Obama's new U.S. Intellectual Property Enforcement Coordinator Victoria Espinel has issued a major 33-point statement. The big fear was that the U.S. government was going to get involved on the side of the intellectual property rights holders, the big record companies, the big movie studios, and say, hey, we're going to take away people's right to access the Internet if they are deemed to be downloading or sharing intellectual property that is copyrighted. They didn't go that far. Even though France and a number of other European countries have done this, so far, Espinel says, we're not going to go that far. But otherwise, this is a pretty far-reaching statement. She urged the Internet service providers to create policies to deal with these copyright offenders, basically saying, if you guys don't do something, we may have to, so Mm -hmm. get going. She also said, let's pressure foreign governments to shut down these pirate websites overseas that are enabling consumers to trade these files. And finally, 
She said that her office, this Intellectual Property Enforcement Coordinator's office, is going to review all existing copyright laws to ensure that they are providing an effective deterrent to infringement. End of quote. That's a pretty potent statement. And then on top of that, you've got the vice president of the U.S., Joe Biden, punctuating her points by saying piracy is theft, clean and simple. It's smash and grab. It ain't no different than smashing a window at Tiffany's and grabbing stuff. That's pretty powerful I, stuff from the U.S. government. You know, some nine-year-old downloading a song <laughs> yeah. from Glee is different than robbing a million-dollar necklace out of Tiffany's. I'm sorry. Greg, more news out of the Obama administration last week that's going to impact the entertainment world, the music world that we love so dearly. The Justice Department formally approved the merger of the monopolistic ticket brokers Ticketmaster and the giant corporate concert promoters Live Nation. We thought this was a fait accompli, and it was. <laughs> there was a, a period of several months where people opposed to the merger were invited to file briefs telling the Department of Justice why this was a bad idea. There were some very eloquent briefs filed, thousands and thousands of pages, by consumer advocates who said this was not a good thing, and by independent concert promoters who said this was going to remake the business, create one giant monopoly looming over everybody else, and maybe there'd be some crumbs left, maybe there wouldn't. We had one of the people who filed a brief, Seth Hurwitz, owner of the uh, legendary 930 Club in Washington, D.C., on the show a couple of months ago, talking about why he thought it was bad. One of the most interesting briefs, I thought, was filed by Jam Productions' Jerry Michelson. They operate out of Chicago and the Midwest. He noted that in the years that Live Nation has come to dominate the concert industry, concert ticket prices have risen 142%. Mm. <laughs> the average price was wow. once $25. It is now 63 Nevertheless, the Department of Justice looked at all this stuff and said, we don't care, basically. <laughs> the exact quote was, it seems unlikely, this merger, to alter the competitive dynamics in the concert market. Mm. Now, that is kind of <laughs> like saying what BP is doing in the Gulf is not going to hurt the ecosystem. Yeah. Honest. Trust us. The one bright side, according to many consumer advocates, is that this merger may have created a company that is just simply too big for its own good, that can't control its own spending. There was another news story about Live Nation Ticketmaster last week that they have canceled hundreds more than 200 shows across the U.S. that had been expected to be big amphitheater summer tour shows because the tickets are not selling. Prices may have just risen too high and consumers are, are voting against it. This was on top of them losing the Christina Aguilera tour and the U2 tour, both of which were postponed, that were expected to be their big money makers. So the company may fall apart before it gobbles up the universe.
That, of course, is Michael Jackson, self-proclaimed king of pop with his hit Say, Say, Say. Jackson died a year ago last week, Greg. And it now comes out that that turns out to be his best-selling single ever out of the top 50 chart toppers that he had. I wouldn't have predicted that. I would have thought Billie Jean or Beat It, right? Yeah, it's a surprise. But a year after Jackson's death, we are starting to see a lot of stories about the financial state of the estate. Billboard has estimated that uh, Jackson's estate, since he died, has generated at least a billion dollars in revenues, mostly through record sales. The Wall Street Journal said that the executors of Jackson's estate had paid off nearly $200 million of the $500 million in debt that the estate was in when Jackson died. Remember, there was, there was a huge hole. Maybe people mm-hmm. were saying Jackson was going bankrupt. I know you love these numbers stories, and I'm going to rattle a few off at you because it really seems one year after Michael Jackson died that he is on his way to tying, if not bettering, Elvis Presley as the best-selling dead pop star ever. The posthumous deal to sell unreleased Jackson recordings through Sony guaranteed $200 million over the next seven years for Jackson. It's already brought in $125 million. Mm-hmm. The film, This Is It, based on that final concert footage, grossed $252 million worldwide. A lot of people said Sony was out of its mind when it advanced Jackson $60 million for that movie. It's made it back and then some. Licensing deals on merchandise, that's $26 million. That includes a possible video game. The catalog of Jackson copyrights, songs that he wrote, generated $25 million in the past year. The music publisher Sony ATV, which owns Jackson's copyrights and those of the Beatles that he bought. Jackson still owned a 50% stake in that Beatles catalog. That's $11 million. I'd like a piece of that, okay? <laughs> Other income, including a re-release of his autobiography, Moonwalk, well, that's $25 million. And all of this doesn't even include the Cirque du Soleil show that's expected to launch in late 2011, doing in Vegas what... Uh, had been done for the Beatles. Yes, once again, Jim, death is a great career move. In uh, Michael Jackson's case, it's going to be an awesome career move because consider, I mean, he, he only released like about three studio albums of original material in the last 20 plus years. Now, a new book, Thriller, The Musical Life of Michael Jackson by Nelson George. In that book, George talks about the fact that the Jackson archives are just loaded with unreleased material. Even though Jackson publicly was little seen and little heard in the last few decades. He was continuously recording. So there's a massive stockpile of unreleased stuff in there. And George posits that Jackson is going to be releasing more posthumous albums than Tupac Shakur even did. Recall that Tupac, the rapper, after he was slain in 1997, released about about an album a year yeah, for the very, next decade. Very prolific. You know, yeah. and, and he says Jackson's scenario is going to be very similar because there's so much stuff that the public hasn't heard yet. So we have not heard the last of Michael Jackson by a long shot. Got press in pocket. Got battle. I am gonna use it. Intention.
You're listening to Sound Opinions, and I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and that's The Pretenders' breakthrough 1979 song, Brass in Pocket, featuring the voice of Chrissy Hind. Throughout her 30 years making music, Hind has collaborated with a number of artists, from Frank Sinatra to get this, share. <laughs> but never has she recorded an album under the name of anything other than The Pretenders. That is, until now. The singer and songwriter was so inspired after meeting 31-year-old Welsh rocker J.P. Jones that the two of them have launched a new project, J.P., Chrissy, and the Fairground Boys. Their new album, Fidelity, won't be out until later this summer, but J.P. Jones and Chrissy Hind, along with fellow Fairground Boy Patrick Murdoch, joined us in the studio to debut these new tunes. Greg and I started the conversation by asking J.P. how he and Chrissy began working together. Got something I met Chrissy in a bar a year ago and sent her some songs and she really liked them and then we hung out a lot and went on holiday to Havana, Cuba together mm-hmm. and wrote an album <laughs> about the fact that, you know, we can't be together in a relationship. Because I'm we, too old. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of what it's all about and it's all just happened so fast and now we're here. I always said I'd never go solo. Yeah. And I... Was really happy with, you know, I've just done a tour. In fact, the day I met JP, I went on tour the next day. I've done three tours since I've met him in the last year. And I've loved my band. It's awesome. But then we just started writing all this songs kind of poured out of us. And then we took the, the guys in, who we renamed the Fairground Boys, and recorded the album in a couple of weeks. And then JP and I went and took it into a, a studio just to fix some things just to kind of get rough mixes and stuff. So. When something happens that naturally, that organically, that spontaneously, you just got to go with it. Totally. You just got to follow it and, and ride it, so to speak. But it's just so cool what's, ha- what's happened in five weeks. JP, when you sent the songs to Chrissy, what were you hoping would happen at that point? What was your motivation in sending her the songs? I just wanted to share the music with her. You know, I've always loved her and I just was sending her stuff that I was doing, you know, like I gave her my MySpace and and then I texted her one day saying, all the fairground luck for your gig tonight. And um, she wrote back, write that song. So I did. So Chrissy, you're not looking for a new band. You're very happy with the Pretenders. You've just gotten off tour with them and you get these songs. Well, you know, writing is kind of, for me, has been pretty lonely and, you know, trying to have to carry the weight of the the band and do the press and everything, which I, I don't really like any attention at all unless I'm on stage. So then to meet someone, I mean, JP would sit down and write with anyone. I'm like more of a vampire, you know, I'm not very, <laughs> and, and he also probably, you know, would send songs to people and, you know, he's a lot more like that. He's, he's a young guy. That's what guys do now. But, you know, I wasn't used to having this kind of attention or having someone send me songs or, you know, even using the computer particularly. I sit in my room and just with the, with the curtains shut and wait for the next show. So I really got seduced for the, by those songs. And then, yeah, we just, like I said, we wrote so naturally together. Well, you're a tough evaluator because I know when we've talked in the past and you talk about, you know, your upbringing in the, in the punk scene in England when you were over there after moving there from the States, you're particular about who you would play with. It couldn't just be anybody. Well, no. So, He's not just anybody. Yeah, so what was it about JP's songs that said, i got to do more with this Well, I, you'd have to hear that in the songs. It's a matter of what you like, isn't it? Well, that, that's Analyze the that. perfect uh, opportunity to stick yeah. one in. <laughs> Why don't we do one? What are you going to play for us first? Um, uh, well, what have we been talking about? We could do luck. Fairground Luck? Yeah, we'll just play that song. One, two, three, two, three, two, three, 
Cause I worry about you, babe That was J.P., Chrissy, and the Fairground Boys performing Fairground Luck, live on Sound Opinions. We're going to continue our discussion with Chrissy Hind and the band after a short break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. And later on, Greg and I will review the big summer releases from rapper Drake and pop diva Christina Aguilera. Check my world at night 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and you've been hearing our discussion with Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders and her new musical collaborator, J.P. Jones. The two met in 2008 and began a unique partnership. Now as J.P., Chrissy, and the Fairground Boys, they've got a new album coming out this summer. We're now going to return to our conversation to learn more about how the duo went from trading tapes to visiting Cuba to making a band. So let's pick up the story. The tape uh, gets sent to Chrissy. She says, "Mind, keep writing. You go to Cuba. Was the intent to write songs there or see I what happens? I had to hang out. I was like burned out after this tour. Normal coming down off a tour thing. And I was talking to a guy and he said he'd been to Cuba. And I was thinking about it and thinking, oh, I want to go there before it really changes. You know, it's a place I hadn't been. So I just said, hey, do you fancy going to Cuba? And he went, yeah. Everything that has happened really fast with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Chrissy, you wrote, uh, you talked about being an isolated person a lot. A lot of your songwriting early on was sort of isolated. I know you've been collaborating more lately, but what is it about the collaboration here with JP? Do you see yourself going in a different direction than you might have, say, if you were just writing a pretender song? Oh, totally. I mean, this is a journey through our personal story, and it's really personal. The way we got through this situation where we, you know, met each other and it transpired that he couldn't be with me because, you know, he wants a wife and kids and like you know I'm, it's over for me mm-hmm. so um <laughs> have, have you guys read the reviews of the LA shows uh-uh because all the rock critics were speculating and it was like was there something between Chrissy and JP he's like we won't speculate on that but of course they've just written that and they've just speculated mm-hmm. I think when you hear the whole album you know it's going to be pretty obvious that's yeah. what the whole album is about it's kind of like once or something you know um two people talking to each other through song I don't know. That yeah, the Swell about. Season Project, where the couple comes together through music, and they, they have their separate lives, and then they go their separate ways at the end of the movie. Won the Oscar last year. Yeah. One film that's really important to us is a, a film which is one of the greatest vampire films ever made, Let the Right One In. Surely you know that film. <laughs> I don't know. No, I film. don't. What is with Americans that they don't know any films? I don't get it. If they're what, not American it, films, what, if they're foreign. It's a, Swed- it's a Swedish it? vampire it's movie. It's so awesome. Oh. We've watched it so many times. And I've we've read about this. Yeah. It and- yeah. Well, the, okay. the song 
we're going to play next yeah. now is like, the first single called If You Let Me, and it's really inspired by that film. It's totally inspired. and it, 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 We feel quite a kinship to the two the two characters. The two people in the film. It's right. a 12-year-old girl who's been around for 200 years. She's actually a vampire and has to live off blood. And she meets this young boy who's getting bullied at school all the time. Um, and he sees her on the jungle gym out in the snow at night because she can't go out during the day. This love story unfolds where they need to rely on each other and save each other and look after each other. All right, that's a great introduction. JP, Chrissy, and the Fairground Boys with If You Let Me on Sound Opinions. One, two, three, four... survive to survive on my own it's just too lonely and I I'm gonna take on this world I'm gonna make you love me if you let me if you let me if you let me Say 
If You Let Me by J.P. Chrissy and the Fairground Boys. I do believe that is as fine a vampire song, if not the finest, as I've ever heard, right? <laughs> what would be a better vampire song in rock history? Yeah? I mean, it sure beats anything Bauhaus ever did, right? Uh, so, J.P. Chrissy and the Fairground Boys, you write this record in uh, Cuba largely. Then it's like, okay, let's make this record. How did that happen? A friend of mine, Toby Smith, studio in near Oxford, out in a field. It's beautiful down there. We did it in two weeks. And then we brought it live with the boys and then we brought it back to London where me and Chrissy just worked on adding a little bits on top of it for um, another few weeks or whatever. And that's it. What are the plans? Are you going to put it out on a label or? It's a new way of doing things. We've got our own company called Lamina and uh, we're putting it out on that through another company, Rocket Science. Yeah, it's finished in England at the moment. It's really, really not a good, a good scene in England. It's all about manufactured poppy for a band like this, there'd yeah. be no life for us there. I was in a band signed to EMI and we got dropped. And, you know, just going through all that, you know, there's no heart and soul in it at all. Yeah. And I'm just so happy not to be a part of all that. Well, Christy, it's an interesting, you know, you have an historical perspective, having been there through the punk explosion, having been there in the alternative revolution. And now, how do we stand today? Is it easier today than it was in 76 or in 92? I feel like it's 1976. That's, I, I have that excited feel. I mean, the, the music industry has collapsed. And, you know, we're doing our best to make sure it doesn't happen to radio because radio is my favorite medium. And mm. I always want radio to survive. And the film industry is following the music industry. Just money, money, money. Just, I mean, we've been watching films and just thinking ha, millions of dollars in this, you know, and listening, Garbage. To, and listening to records, you know. Yeah, and in, what's st- happened in England? I mean, they were bringing in the stylists, you know, to like clothe them and put, you know, it was just, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't yeah. like that. But, you know, I mean, I've never, can't you tell? I've never, never had, had a stylist, stylist or, uh, you know, I mean, come on. But as far as the shift and where it's going, I, I think it's quite exciting. I think the MTV came along and, you know, it was like if you're a soft porn star, you could have a hit record. <laughs> um, I understand they don't play music on MTV anymore. I don't know. I haven't watched it. And the other thing I think is computers have changed it so much. Obviously, no one buys anything anymore if they don't, you know, they don't have to. But I think it's done something to the imagination of people. You know, it used to be you, would, you were the one that went home and sat on the edge of your bed with your guitar. And now everyone's on computers. I think it has robbed certainly children of having an imagination. On the other hand, somebody like JP can send these unrequested songs over the transom totally, magically totally. and something else. I mean, yeah. so, you know, that's, there's something gained and something lost. And it's like vinyl came back, and that was not any strategy by any company. It was only the people that liked vinyl. Yeah. And I think that people will, they need and love music, and, so, and they want truthful music. So I think that will always find its way. The industry can't really prohibit that. Well, it also sounds like the way you've been presenting this material, I mean, it was kind of cool to see this band sort of do, doing this almost guerrilla-style stuff. Like, all of a sudden, there's, 
YouTube video of you guys performing at a little club. Like, oh my God, you know, this Chrissy Hine was in this club with these guys. It almost seems like you've taken it way back. Like you said, the spirit of 76. It has that sort of feel to it as opposed to. Yeah, and these guys the have showcase. given me this new life because I don't want to be Chrissy Hine. I don't want to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't want to be that person. It's, it's boring, you know. I want to keep moving. I'm a traveler. I don't want to stop. And classic rock being formatted. As much as I love the songs, you know, having to keep doing it. I mean, I suppose I was slowed down because I've had kids and being a single parent. And, you know, it's been a... I'm getting my second wind now. And, mm-hmm. um, and with, with them, I can be, you know, allowed to not have to always be that guy. You've, you've always hope. been very self-deprecating about that, Chrissy. I'm going to read a quote back to you that if about 10 years ago. If it comes from the Pretenders days, can we leave that? Because that's why we're here, is to just oh, no, not no, refer to that. It's going to refer to this band, though, because you said, I'm, I'm not the greatest singer or songwriter or, or anything, but I'm a band leader, and that's what I'm good at. And I surround myself with people who I think are better than I am, and that's the secret of my success, if there is one. You still, yeah, be- that's you still true. believe that? Definitely. Yeah. So these guys, uh, you found... I'm not, uh, some, I'm not better than her. Come on, <laughs> man. Jeez. I feel, I feel like Joan Baez presenting Bob Dylan to the world. I said, you know, in a year from now, they're going to be saying, what's she doing here? You know, pushing me out of the way. <laughs> no, I think these guys are really... You know, I know my stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I am an expert. I, must, I will say that. And I know what's good in rock, and I know if it's, you know, I think I do. Mm-hmm. And so do some other people. So, you know, and I think th- I really believe in this band. And I think JP's an amazing singer and songwriter. And, you know, he's going to be doing this for, you know, after mommy's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> we should hear another song then from this band. Sure. What are we going to hear? Hmm. What do you think? I don't know. You choose. Um, Perfect Lover's that- the one everybody's writing about. Let's play that. The whole song is, I mean, the whole album is just gut-wrenching, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. One, two, three. I smoke and drink and eat too much and other things I shouldn't. That's why I love you, lady I like to think I'd never touch What other women wouldn't You're not like the others I'm a hotbed of addictions Contradictions rule my day Just like me I know it's wrong, but the pull's too strong Lord, help me walk away I found a perfect lover But he's only half my age He was learning how to stand When I was wearing my first wedding band I found a perfect lover But I'll have to turn the page I don't want him in my kitchen Standing on my stage I talk too much and laugh too loud Cause suffering and trouble You're like a little girl 
I fantasize and criticize from my house of ash and rubble. Sit on daddy's lap. I know I've caused great harm with these jinxes in my head. Keep that gypsy from my bed. I found a perfect lover, but he's only half my age. He was learning how to stand when I was wearing my first wedding band. I found my perfect lover, but I won't impede his way. His time is tomorrow. Mine was yesterday. To heaven, so I say my prayers at night. Pray Lord, my soul to keep. I want to paint great pictures. I mix my colors in the daylight. Let me paint you, lover. Oh Jesus, I have sinned, and I don't expect a pardon. Confuse me, keep me from the trees that bear fruit beyond my garden. But he's only half my age. He was learning how to stand when I was wearing my first wedding band. I found a perfect lover, but he'll never share my bed. So I'll keep him in my heart. In the songs I sing instead. Perfect lover from J.P. Chrissy and the Fairground Boys. Wow! <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on uh, Sound Opinions. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> To listen to J.P., Chrissy, and the Fairground Boys perform live or watch videos of them in the studio, visit soundopinions.org. We also want to invite you to share your musical opinions on the air. Leave a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800. You can also email, interact at soundopinions.org, or connect to us on Facebook and Twitter. Greg and I will be back in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media with reviews of the new albums from Drake and Christina Aguilera.
All right, bottles on me, long as someone drink it. Never drop the ball, y'all thinking. Making sure the young money ship is never sinking. About to set it all, set it all, day to pink it. I shouldn't have drove, tell me how I'm getting home. You too fine to be laying down in bed alone. I can teach you how to speak my language, Rosetta Stone. I swear this life is like the sweetest thing I've ever known. Got to go thriller, Mike Jackson on these All I need for your red jacket with some zippers. Super good Smith Oak, a package of the swishes. I did it overnight, it couldn't happen any quicker. Welcome back to Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and American Public Media. That's a track called Over from the debut album by an artist called Drake, Thank Me Later. Drake, probably the biggest name in hip-hop the last 18 months, Jim, wouldn't you say? I mean, the guy is all over the place. Toronto-born, 23 years old, Aubrey Drake Graham. Started out as an actor, was in a Canadian TV teen drama called Degrassi, and morphed into a hip-hop artist soon after series of mixtapes that he put out on his own caught the attention of Lil Wayne, only the biggest superstar in hip-hop the and last Kanye decade. And Kanye West and Jay-Z. Yeah, but Wayne was sort of his mentor. A few of the tracks from those mixtapes ended up on a 2009 EP and produced two top ten hits simultaneously, Best I Ever Had and Successful, in turn leading to collaborations with people like Jay-Z, Kanye West, Young Jeezy, Mary J. Blige. Everybody was talking about this guy in the last 18 months about being the new voice of hip-hop. Lo and behold, the debut record came out, Thank Me Later. It's already sold 460,000-plus copies in its first week. Those are extraordinary numbers at a time when supposedly nobody's buying CDs anymore. So does the record live up to its hype we're going to find out in a second with our review but let's play a track from it first it's called fireworks from drake's thank me later on sound opinions money just changed everything i wonder how life without it would go from the concrete who knew that a flower would grow looking down from the top and it's crowded below my 15 minutes started an hour ago truth over fame you know i respect the blatant shit when I hear him talking, I just don't know what to make of it. Hate is so familiar to me, I'm slowly embracing it. Doesn't come natural, bear with me, it could take a bit. Yeah, and my dreams are who I'm racing with, but you can see I'm pacing it so that I'm always chasing it. Wayne put me right here, that's who I get the paper with. I hope that my success never alters our relationship. Yeah, this life is something I would die for. October's on, but it's looking like July 4th. I just wish they let you try it first. This time I'm really going off. Fireworks. Today begins I've missed them before But won't miss them again I keep having the same dream And I think that I just realized what it means All I see is find your word All I see is find your word Every night is find your word
That is Fireworks by Drake from his debut album, Thank Me Later, here on Sound Opinions. A little bit of Alicia Keys cooing in the background on the choruses there, Greg. It is a testament to Drake's strengths, I think, that he is not overshadowed by any of the big-name guest stars like Alicia Keys, like Jay-Z. Also a strength that he can sing as well as he can rap. People say, well, he has kind of a laid-back monotone flow, and he's not the greatest singer, but he's doing both, and he's doing it well. I think this album is a really important milestone in hip-hop. I think that if the best hip-hop from the 80s through the late 90s was inspired by the plague of of crack and cocaine, Mm. consuming those drugs or selling those drugs, that we are seeing starting in 2008 with Kanye West's last album, 808s and Heartbreak, and now with Thank Me Later, a new era in hip-hop where they're talking about an even more insidious and pervasive and destructive drug, and that is celebrity, fame, fortune, that obsessive celebrity culture of of tweeting and Facebook and social networking. Drake has been a celebrity for years now. You know, he's tabloid fodder because of that role in Degrassi, because he's a handsome fellow, because he's been much buzzed from mixtapes and his early singles and the EP. And he is very much questioning his role. Uh, You know, where is the real heart and soul uh, of me as a human being? Am I being consumed by this star-making machine that I'm also very much attracted to? He wants to be successful. He wants to be an artist. But he doesn't want to be dead at the end of that process. This is an album that's very, very introspective, and, and its its grooves, its tempos, its melodies mimic that. I think there's a brilliant minimalism here, where often you'll just have a, a thudding groove, and him singing or rapping a little bit of grand piano, or a touch of synthesizer wash. I can't get enough of this record. I, I think it's a brilliant record on our buy it, burn it, trash it scale. This is a buy it album. Well, for once, Jim, you were absolutely right about something with the Kanye West reference. The 808s and Heartbreak, I think, is absolutely the starting point for something new in hip-hop. And remember, that record was sort of downed when it came out. A lot of people did not like that record. I think it's turning out to be way more influential than people may have realized at the time. I think of that Kid Cudi record from last year, Man on the Moon, The End of Day, as being another sort of offshoot of that 808s and Heartbreak sound, that introspective sound. I think a lot of people may have been surprised by this Drake record because it is not full of the strutting bravado that you associate with most mainstream hip-hop. People are thinking, big mainstream star, hangs out with Lil Wayne, you figure this guy is going to be, you know, making these big strutting hip-hop songs. No, this is a very personal, eccentric, almost reads like a a diary or a journal of a flawed, self-doubting character. And as you said, fame is the big subject here, but he's looking at it from sort of this downside, like, my fame is already up, what do I do for an encore? I, you know, I'm not really sure I'm ready for this. You know, from that standpoint, very fascinating. I think the flip side of that is that it's kind of monochromatic. It, it sort of sits in that one place. It's a little slower, more brooding. You have to sit with it for a while, live with it for a while. I think that was one of the issues with West's record, too. You had to live with it for a while. It's a record that kind of lives inside your head for a while before it really makes its impact. It's not so much about those big pop singles. Very promising artist. I'm going to give this record a buy. I think this guy's got a fascinating career ahead of him. What's going to be interesting is if the hip-hop community is going to embrace this guy or say, wait a minute, there, there's just not enough boldness in these singles for me anymore. That's a double buy it for Drake.
That is Bionic, the title track from the new album by Christina Aguilera here on Sound Opinions. I don't know, Greg, if Christina needs much introduction. She was the teen diva of the 90s, up there with Britney Spears, the fellow graduate of the Disney star-making machine, the new Mickey Mouse Club. She owned pop radio, that mix of dance pop and R&B through the 90s. She sold a bazillion records. And now she's 29. Wow, a wife and a mom. We have not heard from Extina, as we fans like to call her, since 2006 with that album Back to Basics, which found her, oddly enough, indulging in these jazz cabaret pretensions. She is doing something very different with this new record, Bionic. It's right there in the name. It's there on the cover, which reminds me of Westworld. You remember when Yul yeah. Brynner was like half robot and <laughs> half man? She's got looks like that on the cover. It's kind of creepy, if you ask me. She is turning to the electronic dance underground, working with people like Tricky Stewart and La Tigra from the indie world. She is riding these uh, percolating techno grooves, and she's giving us a little of the old-school R&B, syrupy, ballady stuff. She's reinventing herself. The jury is out on how it's being perceived. It debuted at number three on the pop charts the week it came out, not number one, and it's already sunk to number nine. In the wake of that, she has canceled the big summer tour because she says she was not ready to perform yet. She's been busy shooting this movie burlesque. Is Christina the force in 2010 that she was in the mid-90s? We're going to see, and we're going to give our thoughts on this new album in a minute. Meanwhile, let's listen to uh, one of the tunes. My Girls is the tune that was produced by La Tigra. It also features the avant-garde dance electronic artist Peaches, who's been on our show. Here it is on Sound Opinions. My girls from the new Christina Aguilera record, Bionic. I was looking forward to hearing this record, Jim, when I heard who she was going to be collaborating with, including people like La Tigra on that last song. She was working with MIA. She was working with Santa Gold producer John Hill. She was working with MIA's co-producer, Switch. I thought, you know, she's going to shake up the sound a little bit, reinvent herself. And I was looking forward to the results. I thought there was some real promise shown on her 2006 record, Back to Basics. Without a doubt, this is the single most talented or musically talented 
performer from that teen pop generation of the late 90s to emerge and have a career. She's got a prodigious voice. She's got ability to reach back and channel some of that added James vibe from the early 60s, late 50s in, in her music, as she proved with Back to Basics. But on this record, Jim, this is a juvenile, juvenile piece of pop product from a performer who should know better by this time. It sounds to me like she's trying to keep up with Lady Gaga and with Janelle Monet and with Rihanna, these artists who have come up with these kind of robotic vibes in their last few records, the, the, these sci-fi themes. She's trying to do the same thing, but they just come off as gimmicks here, coupled with some lyrics that are, are, are just beyond salvageable. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, I, I mean, when I say juvenile, I mean really juvenile stuff. I mean, this is a, a mature woman. You're, you're expecting, you know, some mature thoughts from her about sexuality and adulthood. Instead, <laughs> you're getting someone who wants to act like she's 15 again. It is weird, Greg, that she is playing the juvenile sex card at the same time she's portraying herself as a robot. Because if you ask me, there's nothing less sexy in the universe than a hunk of metal. You know what I mean? I don't understand. Why do you want to be a sex doll when you're this interesting, vibrant, vital 29-year-old wife and mother? If she was singing about who she really was instead of these pandering come-ons, and then the the sappy ballads when they come in are even worse than anything. And she even outdoes that notorious R&B pervert R. Kelly with sex for breakfast, you know? Didn't he do sex in the kitchen? Yeah. This is a trash hit record. Are you you with me? Yes, it is a trash hit record. A double trash hit record. What do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we're going to discuss the legacy of Michael Jackson one year after his death. As always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. J.P., Chrissy, and the Fairground Boys were recorded by Mary Gaffney. Sound Opinions is produced by our ace team of Jason Saldana, who's been glued to the World Cup and rooting for Argentina, and Robin Lynn, who's in the middle of a Degrassi marathon inspired by Drake. And, of course, our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori Southside Malatia. Well, he still can't get over Lady Marmalade. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Tim and Greg, this is Tim from Chicago. I really enjoyed the interview with Chris Jones about Broadway and rock and roll. I saw Spring Awakening. I thought it was just a great show. I, you know, As I was listening to the music, you know, it sounded overwrought. It sounded really earnest. But when you just listen to the music, you sort of miss out. Uh, the performance, the movement, the acting, the story, the characters. Because you know, I don't do sadness, not even a little bit. Just don't need it in my life, don't want any part of it. And I think that there's just this natural tendency to merge rock and theater. You look at like Alice Cooper, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, they all took the concert experience and tried to make that theater. Take care. Bye. Hey guys, this is Bert listening on WGLT in Normal, Illinois. Dig the show and I'm calling about guilty pleasures, specifically my obsession with girl bands and rock and roll divas. What I'm not so proud of is how my chick rock obsession began in my younger years when I had a crush on the Go-Go's. And the song that takes me back to those days is Head Over Heels.
So that's my confession. Keep up the good work. And remember to support the lovely ladies of rock. Cheers. Hi, my name is Stephanie, and I'm calling from Bloomington, Indiana. My guilty pleasure is Barry Manilow's Copacabana. That song is thoroughly danceable from start to finish, and I'm pretty sure it was featured in more than one dance recital that I was in growing up. You have given me the confidence to announce to the world, I love this song. Thanks, guys. Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl with yellow feathers in her hair and a dress cut down her ass. She was merengue and do the cha-cha. And while she tried to be a star, Tony always tended bar across the crowded floor. They worked from eight till four. They were young and they had each other. Who could Jim in Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Greg and Jim. I really enjoyed your show on Guilty Pleasures. This is a conversation I love to have with my music snob friends, and I usually win with this one. It's Patches by Clarence Carter. My papa was a great old man. I can see him with a shovel in his hand. See this song has it all. Poverty, deathbed promises, natural disasters washing the crops away. And Clarence Carter was really underappreciated, I think, as a great soul singer from the 70s. My name is Mamie. I'm listening to one of your Guilty Pleasures episodes, and you have turned me into 100 years old, because everything you think is a guilty pleasure is one of my favorites, including MacArthur Park. Don't be so mean to old people, please. <laughs> no more messages. To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.